Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, thanking you for listening to the broadcast today. We are so honored to have you as our broadcast audience. We so thank the Lord for you. And today is Friday, and I hope that you're ready for this weekend. By the way, if you're not attending a worship service somewhere, and I, I do want to encourage you to attend a worship service, and I know sometimes you got to watch online, and we have our services online. I'm not diminishing that, but there's nothing like being in person with God's people. Uh, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but he says, especially as you see the day approaching. Well, today I want to continue on our study of understanding what it's all about to be involved as a game changer in living out our everyday Christian duty. And somebody once said that the Christian life is so difficult because it is so daily. You see, I wake up every day and I'm a Christian. I won't always be a pastor. I won't always be in certain positions that I have, but I'll always be a Christian. And so I want us to uh, live out the Christian life in a way that is pleasing to God and a blessing to others. So I was reading a great book, and uh, it was actually written by several inmates. And it's a kind of a, a Bible study on Psalm 1. Psalm 1. I love Psalm 1. And uh, this is a great psalm. I'm going to read it to you, make a few comments on it. And then we'll talk about what every Christian should be doing as far as their relationship with other believers. Psalm 1, only six verses, says... Blessed. Blessed is what? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, you're going to be blessed if you don't listen to counseling from wicked people. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. That means I'm going to be blessed if I don't hang out with sinners, okay? That should not be the primary place where I hang out. You know, you don't get fellowship with sinners. Fellowship is two believers enjoying each other's company. You don't have fellowship between an unbeliever and a believer because what fellowship is there between darkness and light? There is no fellowship. So here we're reminded, don't stand in the way of sinners or or the presence of sinner. Don't sit in the seat of the scoffers. In other words, don't team up with those who are scoffing the faith. Now, don't be silent around those who are scoffing the faith. Don't sit along there like you belong to them. Realize that God has called you to a different life, a blessed life. And you're blessed if you don't walk into the counsel of the wicked. You're blessed if you don't stand there in the way of sinners. You're blessed if you don't sit in the seat of the scoffers. But our delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The blessed man will spend time taking great delight in the word of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you really love the word of God? Do you take delight into it? Or is it something that's put on a shelf and then dusted off and taken to church on Sunday? If you delight in the Word of God, you will be a person who is blessed. Not only do you delight in the law, but you meditate on it day and night. And the psalmist says, if you do this, you'll be like a tree that is planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf doesn't wither. In all that he does, he will prosper. Now, I love that little phrase, in all that he does, he will prosper. Now, we can define prosperity according to the Bible. A prosperous life is a life that is totally surrendered to God, completely in all areas of our lives. It doesn't mean we'll always be rich, but our needs will always be taken care of. It doesn't mean that we'll always be promoted and that we'll always live our best life now, but it does mean that God will be with us. You know, the presence of God in our lives is worth more than all the money in the bank. We will be living a life that does not wither. Our leave will not wither. 
All that we do will prosper. But then we discover the opposite of the wicked. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Wow, what a powerful passage this is. As I was looking at this little book, and it's called Psalm 1, and it's actually published by Malachi Dads. It's just a small little book, but as you look at this, uh, so many things come and jump off the page as I'm looking at this book. Some questions that are brought up in this book. Is it still possible to be blessed in a wicked and a perverse world? Well, of course it is. Uh, The answer is absolutely yes. Yes, you can be blessed, and the Word of God is the key. As we look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life. He is the one who gives you length of days that you may dwell in the land of the Lord, sworn to by your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob and to give to them. Now, these two verses are very powerful, aren't they? There's two things that we see here that we're to do. We're to love the Lord, but we're also to obey the Lord. I don't know if you like tests. I I never have been a big fan of tests. Do you love tests, especially if they come from God? Well, here we see that God is giving actually a test. And and the test is, if you want to live the blessed life, you've got to obey. When you think about obeying, what comes to your mind? We're told in God's word that we're to put away certain things. We're to put away filthiness and, and all that is running rampant and the wickedness that is in our world today. And we're to receive meekness, the word of God. How are you receiving the word of God today? As you listen to this broadcast, I pray that it grabs your attention. And somebody once said, you know, if people say the Bible is boring, and I can't believe they would say such a thing because God is not boring and he's written us this wonderful letter called the Bible which gives us basic information before leaving this earth. God's word is able to encourage us like nothing else can. That's why every one of us should meditate on God's word. We should obey God's word and we should study God's word. Philippians 4.13 is a verse that I'd encourage you to memorize. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I really believe the power of God's word is released as we memorize God's word. You know, there's been many times in my life where I didn't know what to do. And I would fall back on a scripture where God would give me some encouragement from his words. So many times you get in life, you say, man, I don't know how my ends are going to get together. I want you to know God will take care of all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, according to Philippians 4.19. You know, I think about the blessed man. Here are some characteristics of the blessed man. Or we could say the blessed woman as well. Uh, The blessed man does not fellowship with the wicked. Who are you hanging out with? Paul says, don't be deceived. Good character will be corrupted by bad company. Here we see the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Now that word blessed is an interesting word. The word is barak. It is mentioned 26 times just in the book of Psalms. It is used as a reference, and it means to bring praise to, or to praise God. It is often translated happy, but really happy is not a deep enough meaning or a deep enough word for that word blessed. 
You see, many people have the misconception of what it means to be blessed. Some people believe that if you got a lot of money, then you must be blessed. Some people believe that if you don't have any money, you must be blessed. Some people believe that if you got a lot of stuff, you're blessed. You see, the list could go on and on. That's not necessarily true. Our blessings are not contingent on what we have or do not have in regards to material blessings. Material things do not mean you're blessed. Blessings come when we understand that we are praising God and God is living within us. That is where the blessing comes from. As you make the choice in your life, you have so many choices. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about all the choices that we make throughout the course of a day. Somebody once said you make about 3,500 choices every single day. That's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it, 3,500 choices a day. Now, when you're incarcerated, that number goes down to about 500 decisions a day that you make. You see, when you're incarcerated, you don't decide when you get up. You don't decide when you go to bed. You don't get to decide what you're going to wear. You don't even get to decide your schedule. You don't get to decide what you're going to eat. All that is prepared for you. And so your decisions are greatly restricted. When you're set free, you have more choices. There's something about a power of a choice. And I remember many years ago, a good friend of mine by the name of Rick Amato, uh, he came to this area and did a little rally for us at the church and went to Currituck High School and and spoke to the students down there at Currituck High School and went to Moyoc Middle School and spoke to the students there. And I remember he talked about the power of a choice. And he says, you know, in life, and he's talking to teenagers and he's talking to young adults, and he says, in life, you have the power of a choice. You can make the choice to do anything that you want to do. You can go out and you can fill your body with drugs and you can go out and you can live a life of immorality. You can sleep with anybody you want to sleep with and you can do all these things that you want to do. He says, that's the power of the choice. You can do whatever you want to do. But he says, you know, you don't have a power over the consequences of your choices. So if you make bad choices, you're going to have bad consequences. If you make good choices, you'll have some good consequences. Well, I want you to know The Lord wants you to live in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. I want to continue our theme on this subject of everyday Christian living and how this can be a game changer for us. And we're going to look at some requirements of living the Christian life, and we're going to take them one by one, and and we're going to spend a little time on each point. And I'm hoping that it will challenge you on this Friday afternoon to live your life just a little differently. You know, it's commanded as followers of Christ that we live harmoniously in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 14, 19 reminds us to live in harmony with one another. Don't be prideful. Now, I think about pride. Pride will bring about disunity. Humility brings unity. We're not to be prideful, but we're to associate with people of lower position. Don't be conceited. And then Paul reiterates this by saying, let us pursue what makes for peace and and mutual uplifting. If you're going to live a life of harmony, you're going to be constantly looking for opportunities to pursue peace by uplifting others, encouraging others. You know, the Bible is clear that as we live a life of harmony, our lives go better. You know, we kind of crave harmonious relationships, don't we? But it seems like they're a, a very rare commodity. For example, we enter marriage and we have these high hopes of harmony. We think, well, this is going to be 
a wonderful relationship. I just married this adorable creature. And I'm marrying, and it's going to be so easy to get along with him, going to be so easy to get along with her, and we're in love, and so we, we, we don't have any serious problems. But then, a few months into reality, and I discovered that she's not quite as adorable as I thought she was. In fact, she's got a few problems that I need to help her work on. And one of her main problems is that she doesn't see things my way. As I seek to help her with her problems, I discovered that she has another problem, mainly that she is stubborn and she won't change. You see, we want harmonious relationship with our children, and yet the alienation between parents and their teenagers is proverbial, right? We all want harmony in the church, but those people at the church are so unloving. Why? Do you know why so-and-so said to me, I don't know what she thinks and I don't know what he thinks. You know, after all these times I've helped her and, and she acts that way toward me, we can see this going on and on and on. Well, I'm glad that the Bible was written to real people who have real problems. It doesn't just gloss over the problems. It doesn't just give superficial answers to the problems that we face. No, the Bible clearly directs its attention to giving us solutions to the problems that we face. For example, the church at Philippi, uh, it was a good church, but it wasn't perfect, and no church is. It was the first of three converts that were in that church, and, and that church was a motley crew of unbelievers who were converted, and they gathered together, and they're worshiping in Philippi. Now, Philippi was this really, uh, I guess you could say, sophisticated city. It was uh, a city that had a lot of wealthy business owners. And there was one particular business owner in that city, and this business owner was a former slave girl, and she had been caught up in the occult, but she was converted. And as a result of her conversion, her life radically changed. Uh, You would think that the story would live on with a happy ending, but I warn you, uh, it was very painful what the church went through. Uh, It was very difficult, the stress that the church went under. It's kind of like if you got cancer you got a difficult, painful cure like chemotherapy, and there are times that this cure is very hard to take, but it's only that cure that will bring about that harmonious relationship that we want. You see, the key to a harmonious relationship is to put self to death and to regard others as more important than yourself for Jesus' sake. You see, all of us have an enemy, and as Pogo observed, We have met the enemy, and he is us. You see, there's conflicts and there's quarrels. You think about, what is the cause of divorce? Well, Jesus said, it's hardness of the heart. And before you say, well, yes, what my ex-mate really did have a hard heart, Jesus says, well, you hypocrites, you, you should first take that log out of your own eye, and then you can clearly see the speck in your other eye. I find that most marriages that fall apart, it's two people that have a hard heart. Oh, oh, one might be a little harder than the other, uh, but usually it's two people that have, their hearts have hardened. I I want you to know, you can live in harmony with your brothers and sisters in Christ if you're willing to do it. Here's the second thing that we have a duty as believers, and that is to live with sympathy toward one another. Paul says, as holy people... Be sympathetic, be kind, be humble, be gentle, and be patient. 
We're also to live with brotherly love. Romans 12 reminds us that we are to love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor to each other. We're to live compassionately. 1 John 3, 17, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You know, one day Jesus was out and he saw the crowds and he was filled with compassion for them because they were harassed and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. In September of 2015, uh, we did a service project as a church and we wanted to be a blessing to our community. And so we divided up our congregation into teams and we had a, uh, our morning services, and then we had uh, one of our teams provided lunch for all of our church, and then we sent everybody out into the community. And one of the things that we did is we went to a, a home for adults with autism. And what we did is we lined up ahead of time the project that we were going to do, and we were going to go out and sort of try to be a blessing to this uh, particular apartment complex that had several residents uh, that had autism, and they were trying to live on their own the best they could. Uh, and so one of the projects that my team uh, handled was going into this apartment building, and we interviewed the residents there, and we asked them, well, what would they like? And I learned that this one guy, and, and he was probably 35, maybe 40 years old, and uh, he struggled in speaking, but we were managed to carry on a conversation with him well enough that we figured out what he liked and what he didn't like. As a matter of fact, he took us into his apartment, and he showed us his closet, and uh, every week his mom would come and line up his clothes for him. And she would line those things up and iron his clothes, and, and he had a shirt, and next to the shirt was the, the pair of pants he was going to wear that day. And then on the bottom was a pair of shoes that would match that outfit for the day. And then had the socks there on top of the shoes. And everything was lined up perfectly for this, this uh, young man. And every day he would take that day's clothes and put it on. And then at the end of the day, he would, he'd actually float up his dirty clothes and put them in a the laundry basket. Well, after spending some time with this guy, we find out that he really loved John Deere colors. John Deere green and John Deere yellow. So we went to Sherwin-Williams and... Bought some paint, and we painted his bedroom John Deere green and made all of the trim John Deere yellow. When he came back from the little excursion that he went on, he, he entered in that room, and he was just overjoyed. As a matter of fact, he grabbed me with a bear hug, and I thought he was going to cave in my chest. He grabbed me so tight, and uh, one of the workers says, now go easy, go easy, don't hug so hard. But he was just so overjoyed that we would take our time and paint his room in a color that he loved. You know, as I think back to that experience, that was us showing compassion to him. But you know who received the bigger blessing? We did. We were blessed to be a blessing to him. I want you to know that God has put us on this planet so that we can be a blessing to others. It's not about us. It's about reaching out and being a blessing to other people. We're also to walk in humility. Now, this is a tough one, right? Because pride gets into everything in our lives. In Romans chapter 12, we are told that by the grace given to me, Paul says, I want everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned him. We see that faith being developed is developed by being a person of humility. God gives us grace so that we will not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. 
Now, I think it's really important as we look at what Paul is saying here, that as we think about ourselves, we think of ourselves with somber judgment. That is, we try to accurately think about who we are. God has given us a measure of faith that has been assigned to us, and God has given us talents, and God has given us abilities, but we must keep it in proper tension. If the talents that you are given cause you to be filled with pride, then those talents will be your destruction. If, on the other hand, the talent that God has given you develops your character to walk in humility, those talents will become stronger and stronger and stronger. You see, we struggle with this sin of pride. Pride is what took the enemy down. Pride is what took Satan down and a third of the angels with him. When I think about pride, it is so ingrained in us. Half the time, I don't think we realize how full of ourselves we really are. I want you to think for just a moment. You know, I I do this as I listen to my sermons, right? One of the things I look at is how often did I use the personal pronoun I? And think about a conversation that you're having with somebody. How often do you bring it back to I, me, or mine? If you find yourself constantly bringing everything back to you, you're filled with pride. You think it's all about you. Even in simple little conversations like, uh, oh, you just had a baby? Oh, yeah, well, we've had, we have five kids. It's like you're bringing it back on yourself. Constantly bringing it back to myself. We are to walk in humility. Pride is such a subtle little thing that we are told that we are to avoid the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Listen, when we think about walking in humility, God gives you faith, a measure of faith, so that you can walk in humility. We don't have to go around tooting our own horn. As you think about it, the Bible says, let another man praise you and not your own lips. I was talking to a guy one time. He said, well, you don't understand. The reason I have to tell everybody what I've done is because nobody knows all the great things I've done. I tried to tell this guy as humbly as I know. If you're doing great things, those great things will speak on its own behalf. You don't have to tell everybody all the great things you're doing. It'll get out. Let another man praise your good works, not your own lips. Listen, God knows everything that we do. God knows the good, the bad, and the ugly that we've done. He will reward us one day. He will make sure that we are taken care of. I want you to know that we're also as Christians to walk fearlessly. The psalmist says, the Lord is for me. Oh, don't you love that? The Lord is for me. I'm not going to be afraid. What can man do to me? If God is with me, nobody can be against me. Oh, they can try to come against me. But my God rules. My God is the sovereign, in-control God that controls all of my circumstances. And if I go through a difficult time, he's there with me the whole time. He's never going to abandon me nor forsake me. Well, we've learned a lot so far today in the broadcast. Let me quickly review the duty of the Christian and what we're to do in living our lives. We're to walk in harmony with other believers. We're to walk in sympathy with other believers. We're to walk with brotherly love, outdoing one another by showing honor to one another. We're also to walk in compassion. 1 John 3, 6, 17 says, Whoever has of this word's goods, and if he sees his brother in need and he, and he shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? In other words, it can't. The love of God, if it abides within us, one of the proofs that it abides within us is that we are compassionate toward others. And then we walk in humility. 
And then we can be walking fearlessly, knowing that we are invincible until God is finished with us. And there's one other thing. We're to walk in honesty. The psalmist says, No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. I want you to know, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Mature Christians live intentionally, and they have these characteristics in their lives. There's a couple more that I could share just in the remaining seconds that I have. Those who are mature believers, they're not vengeful in their actions, they're not vengeful in their words, and they're not vengeful in their thoughts. Do not repay evil for evil, says Jesus, nor insult for insult, but instead... We're to give praise to others. We're to encourage others. As we turn from evil and we praise God, our thoughts actually change. Well, thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. I hope that you have a great weekend, and I'm going to be praying for you as you go through this weekend. If you're looking for a place to worship, why don't you come to Hickory Ridge Community Church? We're located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard in Chesapeake, Virginia. Our service is at 9 and 1045 God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great weekend. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.